This week's episode of The Big Chat has been proudly sponsored by The Right Tuition Company, RTC, which is an award-winning Kent-based tutoring company that has its flagship tuition centre located in the heart of Tunbridge Wells Town Centre. Since opening in 2014, RTC has established a fervent reputation for being the leading local provider of high-quality premium small group tuition to primary and secondary age children. At its core, RTC promotes a traditional non-computer-based approach to tutoring and their success is astounding. I can speak for myself as my son was with the right tuition and very, very happy young man. To book your free taster class and learn more about how we can help your child, please contact us either by telephone on 01892 800492 or email rtc at tunbridgewells at uk to find out more. They'll be happy to talk to you and we're happy for them to have sponsored this episode. <laughs> Hello and welcome to The Big Chat. We get to speak to people about what inspires them, what drives them, what got them into business, how they found it. And some of these people you might know, some of these people you might not, but there's always a nugget of gold in every conversation I have. As an instructor, I understand the journey of a class. Yes. And as a DJ, it's really hard because the way that DJs want to mix music is they want to keep like a... a, a like a specific BPM, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the pace kind of stays the same. Whereas as an instructor, we need a journey. You can't have somebody, you know, doing 60 minutes at 126 BPM because you would just die on the bike. It's also brought um, the most fascinating uh, new experiences, humans and people into my life, as well as one major thing, and that is um, the ability to see how I can help and support other people, men and women, um, in life and business. You know, I am one of those people, if I do something, I'll do it properly. I'll stick with it. Yeah. I'll see it through. And I guess I just, you know, I put myself in the right position. I I met the right people Mm. and sort of planned, planned my career. Yeah. You know? The Big Chat is all about collaboration and giving people in our towns the time to have their say their way. Hello, hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Big Chat. Well, it's Friday and next week is half term, which means parents like me get a rest. <laughs> I mean, we do get a rest when they go to school, obviously, but um, we, we, yeah, it's, it's really nice. It's nice to have some time with the kids at home and just the school run. You know, I love my school run. I don't have far to go because I'm very blessed to live so close to my school, but it's still a, a trauma getting my child out of bed every day for school. <laughs> but one of the things that lights up her little life is, is the primary school that she goes to, which is Langton Green Primary School. And um, I'm really, really chuffed to be talking today to the head of Langton Green Primary School, and that's Alex Cornelius. Hello, Alex. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for inviting me. Well, listen, it's it's been a genuine. I've genuinely, I've always liked talking to you. That's kind of because you you are quite funny. I'm trying my best. (laughs) 
you've got really cool glasses on which we've just cohab we've literally managed to somehow twins twinny we are both gemini's aren't we we are yeah and we've twinnied on the glasses from edney and edney so without <laughs> even realizing we've done it so there's there's synergy here we there's a cosmos for you there's a cosmos for you but the main thing that i wanted to get on was when i really um Obviously, we've been devoting these episodes to talking about mental health issues. But I've noticed as a parent how much Langton's been doing. And you talked to me about a year ago about the things that you were doing to support the community as well. And I think it's really important that people know that. And especially within our community audience and Tunbridge Wells predominantly. Obviously, I'm biased because my daughter does go to your school. She's like last year. And you schooled my son, Ruben, beautifully. And he's now a very happy pupil at Skinner's. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you've you've been there throughout my children's lives, and it's I, I think you've done a grand job personally. So you. Um, you can obviously, you know, n- not tell me off. Uh, Semi retire? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I can retire now. <laughs> but you did. You literally you joined the school. Um, you came. You came from London, didn't you? I did, originally, uh, yeah. I was a head teacher uh, in London over in Chiswick, yeah. and um, we relocated here in 2013. And I was commuting every day. Were you? I was driving to Chiswick every day for a year. And um, I was looking for a place that I could really get my teeth stuck into. Mm -hmm. Um, Somewhere that was a blank canvas, although I'm sure my predecessor Judith would say it wasn't. But, um, you know, somewhere that I could really develop. And I think in the last nine years... It's unrecognisable now. It is. Um, just the, the music, the art, uh, the sense of creativity. It's it's a kind of really strong thread that runs mm. through the school. And, of course, our focus on mental health and well-being yeah. for the children. Yeah. Um, that's, that's kind of a priority for us, really. Yeah, because, I mean, who would have thought that you'd have to deal with a school through a pandemic? Yeah, I mean... We were already kind of focusing on well-being, probably around 2018, 2017. It was was kind of a buzzword then. And um, we were being encouraged to try and facilitate support for those children who were really struggling, not only just with their learning, but just kind of waking up and kind of going to school. Mm. But I think the pandemic magnified Mm. um, children's anxieties to a point where the you know when you look at how many children now are struggling with anxiety with going to school with learning uh, with life social media has a huge impact on that absolutely Um, and you know the statistics are well I think the latest statistic is one in six primary school age children have uh, some form of uh, mental health um, condition. I personally feel it's probably more like one in four. Do you? Um, I think that, you know, in every class you've got probably eight, maybe ten children um, who are struggling. Of course, it's not exact because some classes you'll have children that, you know, are confident are courageous i try and not use the word resilient because resilient is you just have to get on with it you just have to somehow struggle whereas courageous is comes from within yeah and i think that's a better word for childhood that the children are courageous when they come into school um with all the influences that they have and of course 
it's impacted on parents, relationships. Mm. And we've seen a significant number of mums and dads really struggling over the last mm. couple of years. And um, our support has kind of extended to them as well as the children, really. Yeah. You do, yeah. I mean, it, it's, you give, you, I, I think I take for granted a little bit how great the school is you know you, you sort of hear stories of of there's lots of great schools and it's not a competition but we are very lucky and I mean certainly for myself and my ex-partner Ashley it was we wanted to go to Langton Green we wanted our children to go to Langton Green and and then and then we got you I know well, I, I think when I, I first mean, got there... I mean, God, we were like, well, you know, we are getting Judith and now we've got this this Alex Cornelius chat. No, I mean, we were thrilled because you, you brought an energy and an enthusiasm to that school that and, and you're open to such um, diversity, which is really lovely. It's really refreshing because the children have fun yeah. and when I hear my daughter or my son come home and, and the, lang- the language the children are taught to, yeah, it, yeah, you've yeah. got very strong principles in the school haven't you the names of the classes you know like integrity and honesty they're all very very nurturing yeah the virtues you know yeah love you've got peace you've got joy you've got we what we do is we're trying to prepare children yeah for what is a very complicated world out there yeah and you know we it's not easy because the powers that be the DFE, yeah. how we're regulated through HMI and Ofsted, have a very, very specific criteria and they judge you on that list. And over the years, the framework changes. It's a little bit more rigorous now than it was when I was a head teacher in London. Um, and that puts a huge pressure on teachers and the staff to somehow um, absorb that framework whilst also trying to ensure that the learning is creative and inspirational Mm. and that every child is supported in their own way. And that's not easy. No. Uh, And I think the pandemic really highlighted for us how fragile our educational system is. Mm. You know, when you think that our system that stands today in 2023 is no different from 1898 (laughs) when the children used to come in, sit at desks, do arithmetic, handwriting, spelling, read, English. We haven't really shifted that much forward. Mm. And yet our children in today's digital age mm. are far, far more aware of what's going on around them. Totally. And, and we are restricting to some extent how we facilitate learning Mm. so it's really difficult because we have to ensure we do that because we've not been non-compliant yeah but but also alongside it make sure that the children have fun they can express themselves they're supported Mm. with um, any issues or concerns and that as they step into secondary school that they have that courage that they're ready for the go yeah and I think, and I, 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 I really do think you do that as a school. Well, that's kind. And you do, and you do bring laughter into everything. Yeah. Well, I think the thing is, you, it's you, important. It is important, and I think particularly at real times of trouble and stress. Yeah. It has to be diffused somehow. Yes. And I think people's anxieties are, are personal to them. You know, they're, they're generic. They're given a generic term, but they're very personal to them and their families. Mm. So it's important that you mirror and show 
that actually, even in the thick of it, you can still have a laugh. Yeah, really. You know. Yeah, and a lot can you can get a lot across in humour. You yeah, know, you can, can get a lot across. It must be hard as well being being at the head of a school because you've got obviously you've got your the pupils, but you've got your teachers as well. Yeah. You've got they they're like your family. You've got to support yeah. them as well. And that must have been hard going through the pandemic because you've that's yeah. a lot on your shoulders. Yeah, I mean well, it it happened. I know you're we a collective, yeah, and, but we, and we had little choice about it. Yeah. As all schools across, you know, uh Kent and across the country, they were all faced with the same thing. I think for me, what I quickly saw was how nervous mm. and anxious adults were about the, the the possibilities of being poorly and yes. how that would impact them their families yeah. those around them and for some it was that anxiety was stronger than others yeah uh, i think you know limiting children coming to school changing the system that you've been so used to mm. destabilizes how you feel inside and all i kept saying was look you know um i'm like an airline pilot and you're flying along and all of a sudden the landing gear's not working mm. and a bit's fallen off the wing mm. and the passengers have noticed that there's a bit of turbulence <laughs> and all of a sudden you're looking at some buttons and you're thinking, I don't even know what those buttons are. <laughs> and they're flashing at me. Should I press it or should I just leave it? I don't know. But the one thing that I did say is we'll get there eventually. Yeah. We will get onto that tarmac, I promise you, somehow. Yeah, and that is, you, you, you're very yeah. stoic. Well... I like that. No, but I'm I'm like that. I'm like we're gonna get, yeah. this. Is gonna happen. Yeah. We're gonna make it happen. It's my Yorkshire upbringing. <laughs> is know. that what they're it? all they're all a bit stoic up there. <laughs> Not always happy, but definitely stoic. So I mean, literally, what I mean, you've done some amazing things with the school as well. I mean, you did. I mean, the musical productions. Yeah. I mean, we've it, you you've helped us indirectly with our soapbox because our our scaffolders <laughs> they came via. Mr. Tucker. Right, okay, that's, yeah, we don't want to probably mention that publicly. But, yes. <laughs> uh, but have, no, you you have an amazing productions that you put on at the school. The yeah, kids are amazing. Do. The music department, the yep. facilities, the, yep. the after school. I mean, the amount yep. of things that they can do after school yep. is phenomenal. Yeah, and I think with the music, um, it's really important to remember that not every child is academic. I know. And, you know, music is something, whether it is classical, opera, whether it's contemporary, um, that people can relate to. It, it brings back memories. It has kind of personal feelings for them. And what we want to do is try and give children an opportunity to experience that firsthand through the teaching mm. but also give them the opportunity to play and master an instrument if they want to so over 50 percent of our children we've got nearly 420 kids over 50 percent of them play an instrument goodness and me. all children get to play an instrument uh through structured learning yeah um through their time at langton and um we have a orchestra we have a brass band yeah. which is very unusual for a school these it days. Is, a yeah. brass band is a kind of uh, dying thing. And um, I came up with the idea just before, actually, lockdown in 2018, and everybody thought I was mad. And when I was asked <laughs> I why... I know that feeling. You know, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not saying anything, by the way. Um, when I was asked why, I said, well, you know, it's a dying breed and, 
you know, we want to kind of compete in the Royal Albert Hall with the Yorkshire lot and the Northerners. <laughs> and and so we kind of got this band on the go and they are absolutely fantastic. And Aww. I, it's something actually very moving to watch them. Yeah. And watching children who've never wanted to play an instrument. So yeah. they've gone all the way through Langton, never been interested. And then all of a sudden it's sparking their interest and they take up the cornet or the trumpet and they really change and they become performers. Yeah. And that courage that we were talking about yeah. earlier begins to grow in them. And that is something very special. So music is probably one of the most important things for us. You know? Yeah. And it is also, it's getting the best out of someone, isn't it? Because yeah. just because, cause like I'd mentioned to you earlier with, with my own son, he, we just thought he was just going to do maths. Yeah. We just thought he was just going to do maths and that was going to be his thing. He's now fencing, playing yeah. the flute, and he loves the classics. Yeah. It's so interesting how, because that it's last year, you know, my daughter's yeah, going yeah. through it now, that year six, yeah. you see such change and development that you must see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they go on to the secondary school and it's just, it's it's incredible. But you, you are, like you say, you're leading them up to that. You're preparing them for that because that is a big step, isn't it? It's a big step. And, you know, we're talking about mental health. I think one of the issues that we saw in 2020 was the transition from primary to secondary. Yeah. It's so challenging for those children. Yes. Because they'd not only gone through a lockdown, which um, had kind of rebooted their senses and not in a positive way for many kids. But then in the September, they had to step into secondary education, which is subject specific you know some of the uh, secondary schools around here have thousands of kids yeah. so you're going from a relatively small primary school to a big institution mm. with people that they didn't know friends that they didn't know mm. that well that weren't friends yet yeah classes where sometimes they were the only pupil from that school in that class and that's yeah. really hard yeah and no transition mm. so um, one of the things that we have seen in education is that the pupils of 2020, who are now year nine, yeah, have, yeah, yeah. have struggled, yeah. have struggled mentally yeah. with the world around them mm. because th th they still really haven't come to terms with that transition. Yeah. It's yeah, it is. It is. I mean, it is quite a big thing when you think about it. Isn't yeah. it? What they what they. Well, it's life changing. Want. Yeah, it is. And and I I have to touch on this as well because, as well, without without getting into, I'm not a scientist, so I'm not going to start saying anything I don't know anything about. But the kids' immunities are all over the shop, right? There yeah. there is a lot of bugs going yeah, yeah. around. Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of bugs going around. That is must have an impact on you as a school. How do you deal with that? Because you've now got people being ill a lot yeah. at the moment. I think when we had COVID and we... So we actually, at the beginning of the pandemic, didn't really see um, COVID kind of affecting the school yeah. uh, at all. And it was only in the autumn of 2020 and the spring, yeah. January, February yeah. of 2021, that the, we really struggled with it. And we were seeing hundreds of kids yeah. and staff being ill. Yeah. And what's interesting is that people's patience kind of runs out after a while. <laughs> so initially, you have, everybody has goodwill because it is new, yeah. it is scary, yeah. nobody quite knows. But once, and this is 
anything. Once, of course. Once it settles in, people start to think, well, surely they've just got to get on with it type of thing. And the difficulty for schools mm. was making sure that we had the right staff in ratios yes. to support the children. Absolutely. Um I think we never closed a class down. You've no, you've not, you've not, you and didn't. And we just kept going yeah. throughout the whole thing. And um, some of it was logistics and good strategy. That's my deputy, Tom. Very good. And, <laughs> I thought uh, you were about to say that was me. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, the, the rest of it was just fingers crossed and a bit of alchemy. Maybe that was me. You know, it was a pressing the buttons again that I didn't It was the pressing the like, buttons okay, to get press, to the tarmac. Yeah, I'll press that I one. can see the tarmac. Well, yeah, We're coming we, into it, land. It, we didn't see it for a while, but uh, <laughs> we did eventually. So I think uh, in that sense, we, you know, we, we, we're very blessed in lots of ways at Langton because the staff there, whether it is the teaching team, We've got amazing teaching assistants. Mm. I mean, they just give everything to the school. Mm. Uh, office staff, my school business manager. I mean, we we've kind of work alongside one another. And she has to listen or almost an hour by hour kind of moment, my moans and groans and, and kind of, ah, yeah. you know. Yeah. But actually what we did was we we were committed to getting everybody through that period what we didn't realize is at the end of it when we got to the tarmac we would be seeing so many children who were really anxious and struggling then mm. to come into school mm. and that now mm. is a different pandemic mm. and you know I, I have to say you know I've been in education now for nearly 30 years but I can honestly say that there are times when I just don't think our school system for some of those children is right. Mm. And it's very difficult because there's no alternative for them. Mm. So you're getting children who either go to school or don't. And, and and what do they have? And it impacts not only the mental health of the kids, but their parents. Because mm. if a child isn't going to school, mm. then that parent has to give up their work, mm. their commitments, mm. and their lives begin to be restricted. Mm. And of course, what happens is that their mental health begins to suffer. Mm. And it is a big problem with limited resources. Yeah. And my worry going forward for our system, but also our community and our families, is that they, there isn't the help out there for them. And, you know, we're being told, um, understandably, that children should get a high-quality education mm. and it should be preparing them for their future because it's a rocky world out there however if they're struggling with their anxiety and their resources are limited and the parents can't get them into school and their lives are affected their financial lives are affected mm. what happens then mm. uh, people talk a lot about it you know uh, educators the dfe they, they like a good chat they, mm. they they like to show that they're thinking about it but actually, what they need to do is stop thinking and talking stop. and try and put something into place. Yeah, absolutely. And do you see, I mean, is that something you see happening? Yeah, uh, I, I, I don't. Mean, can you I please? don't. I don't see it happening. I don't think the resources are there. Yeah. I think you're talking big money. Mm. And I think you're also talking about a will to change. Mm. I mean, 
I can't talk for my secondary school colleagues and I wouldn't do them a disservice. Um, but I think that they are under pressure mm. because there is this underlying competition internationally that yes. we all have to be uh, beating one another with grades and we're always uh, comparing yes. ourselves to various different countries when actually we need to kind of stop that totally, and start looking at how we can facilitate a, a better system that doesn't put pressure on parents, doesn't put pressure on children, but gives them all the options that they can access. Exactly. Because if you give them, if you give it to them and it's there, they naturally, like the brass band, they naturally start gravitating towards it. It's totally true. And this, I always, sometimes with Reuben, I, my son, I always used to say to him, I used to say, look, I just want the doors to be there for you. Yeah. Whether you go through them or not is up to you. But I want there to be lots and lots of doors, lots of options. Yeah. Because that is it. Because And also, you know, act, one child might be incredibly academic, yeah. just naturally yeah. intelligent. I mean... Apparently, I was really good at physics, would you believe? And now I'm sitting here doing it. this. I can't believe it. You know, but yeah. it, uh, thank you. I, I appreciate you. And that wasn't that. even the, the humorous <laughs> bit. I was being serious there. <laughs> I, I, was, I could, have, could have done very well as a physician. No, but I, I would have quite liked to have been a scientist. I think I would have been a bit of a mad scientist, but it, all, the, all the best people are. <laughs> but, but there's that thing where I think if you're encouraged, for me, for example, it worked the other way because I had quite a troubled upbringing I ran away from what I was good at which was maths and science and now I'm like you know I'm watching like forensic things and I'm like oh my god I would have loved to have been a lawyer or all these things I never went to uni I didn't because I ran away and I was busy doing this and busy doing that but equally there could be a child out there that feels really undervalued because they're not um getting the marks on their tests but they're really good at sport or they're really good at music. It's like, like you're saying, we shouldn't be valuing people on, you know. No, and I think we... we we're, One we're, size doesn't fit all. Absolutely. And we're not great in this country because it's a kind of control thing. Mm. That if we structure something so tightly, then we have some influence and control over it. And therefore, the end product will be what we think it should be. Yeah. But when you're talking about emotions and human beings and relationships... You can't control that. And I think when you put a pandemic into the mix and you talk about the challenges now that we're facing economically, mm. socially, me social media plays a big part in that because what it does is it can be a force for good, but also it can challenge people's perception of what a good life is. Mm -hmm. And I think children are struggling to interpret and filter all of that. I mean, there's there's some great there's some great people out there that are challenging the education system, and rightly so. Uh, I probably shouldn't be championing them. Um, there's a, a but you're gonna. Well, there's a um, clinical psychologist ca called Doctor Rebel, Mister C. I, I, I'm not at all. I'm really not. Um, Doctor Naomi Fisher. Yeah. And she has this um, kind of philosophy of low demand parenting, and I think you know I don't know a huge amount about her my wife knows a lot more but what she does is she is taking off the pressure of parenting mm -hmm. and enabling the children to to kind of feel settled within themselves and by default the parents feel settled and it's much harder than wow. you think no no i bet and and i think that actually schools could learn a lot about that mm. because we are constantly 
because of the system itself putting pressure on them. And yeah. what we try and do at Langton is we try and get, it's very difficult, but try and get a balance between putting the pressure on a child to get the very best out of them, but also recognising that at times it's not necessary mm. and then allow it. So we, we try and create some flexibility within our day for some children. And um, we try and give them um, opportunities to have support and therapies that are very specific to their needs. Mm. And, you know, whereas in 2018, we might have had 20 or 30 children that we'd identified. We've now got about 70 or 80. Goodness me. You know, we've got a huge wellbeing team. Mm. They're amazing. Um, and what are some of the other things that you're doing? Because you, you were talking to me about those spaces, outdoor spaces that you were doing. And yeah, things. so we've got, so uh, a couple of years ago, we'd actually came up with this idea prior to the pandemic. Yeah. Um, we were going to have a kind of internal mental health hub. So it would basically house uh, therapies um, for children who had moderate... Mm. you know kind of needs really. yeah and then uh i got into a conversation with lynn trainer who's the the local vicar and she is a great advocate for mental health uh mm. in the community and what we realized is actually um we could develop something together now we had a steering team there were lots of conversations we i, I always wanted the yurts in place mm. initially for school but then we realized that we could probably enable it to be accessible to the whole community mm. but lynn and i also realized that with our roles within the community within you know the, the kind of busyness of it that mm. actually we couldn't be the driving forces so um trustees were appointed mm -hmm. and it thrive got charity status brilliant and um in lots of ways is a different entity to what we initially thought mm. but actually is doing so much for so many and Amazing. i think you know not just for children but also for adults and i think it's just at the very beginning of its journey really right at the beginning and i think in 10 years time it will have definitely been a support for those people yeah. that are struggling um and hopefully at the end of some of the support that they, you, you can't fix it. It's not, it, it's, it was never designed to fix people's problems. It was just a place to go. Yeah. And, um, but that's often what people just need is just a place to go. Yeah. Safe space to go. It, yeah. And also just talking. I yeah. mean, one of the things that when I've been talking to parents who are struggling, they say just actually having contact with other parents, mm who are going through the same thing it's, it's you know you, you you just you understand and i think through the pandemic actually in a funny sort of way i think we have less understanding now mm. in mm. a strange sort no, of I way agree. than we have than we had before so those parents and children who are finding life mm. difficult they just don't have that support network. Mm. And actually, if you are trying to fight the powers that be to get, for example, an education healthcare plan, or you want to be on a path where we CAMS, which is the, 
you know, children, adult and young people's mental health service. Mm. It is very difficult to negotiate, mm. almost impenetrable. Mm. And I think that is partly, again, resources and underfunding. Mm. And I think partly that is because the, the system and the hurdles that you have to go over mm. and the tunnels that you have to go through mm. are very complicated. And my sadness as a parent and as a head teacher is that if you're not aware of the system, mm. you know, it's almost impossible. And, and you can be on a pathway for three years, two and a half years, four years, and your child can be identified as having a need and by the time that they have met the threshold for the pathway they could be into the late teens they could be in a position where they could be going to university if they are able to yeah so we really need to think carefully about how we support our children and parents during the next 10 years because i think it's that that kind of period that's going to be the most challenging for us, really. And I think what you touched on as well earlier, where you said about the, you know, the pressure it puts on parents, mental health parents, it's, I've I've learned a lot within myself about how you have to be so careful what you say around your children, yeah. what you project on your children, what, you know, they are children. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. You know, we, we had an author on a couple of episodes ago who, you know, the, the adult brain's not developed it's 25. Absolutely. You know, yeah. and it's like the language that we use around our children and the way that we speak yeah. and, you know, I mean, I wasn't particularly happy last year and mm. it, 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 that I feel bad about my daughter not seeing me very happy it's yeah, yeah. The, the the more that we can sort of support all of the support it I agree. It, it works as as, yeah. as a whole because if you've got unhappy parents or angry parents or stressed out parents or yeah. in whatever areas those that that will have an impact on the child as well yeah and parenting is really challenging it is because you love them yeah but as they grow and develop and their hormones change yeah friendship groups yeah change social media yeah what you're doing is you're dealing with something, someone that actually you don't always recognise. Mm. And as a parent, it, as patient as some people are, it's almost impossible to to, to kind of parent properly. Yeah. Um, and there is, um, you know, a kind of thinking that sometimes that that kind of parental influence is actually more negative than it should be. And, and in lots of ways, you should be just kind of walking alongside them as mm. opposed to impacting them and telling them yeah. what they should be doing. Yeah, you should be. Yeah. Go- I mean, we're like guides, really. I mean, yeah. I think I think our kids choose us, not the other way around. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I feel sorry for my kids then. If they're, they're <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to give them an opportunity uh, when I get back to. Uh, You've got three. They, I don't yeah, know how you they, do they, that. They, they can they can choose. They can choose. Um, I, d- I did mention my theory to Elodie and Ruben, and they were like, "We wouldn't have chosen you, Mum." Yeah. Oh, thanks for that. Cheers uh, for that. I think children always <laughs> say that, but deep down, they never mean it. I'm holding on to that. I know, me too. I'm holding on to that too. I'm holding on to that too. Well, I mean, how can people in in a local area, you know, we're we're going to get this out to people and how can people in the local area get involved and help more with Thrive and with what's going on and with what you're doing? Well, I mean, there's some brilliant people um, working for Thrive, with Thrive, leading it forward. 
um, there's uh, the trustees and then there's a kind of very active uh, kind of working party, working group. Yeah. And they're doing amazing things. And actually when... You know, I kind of see them still at midnight, uh, kind of trying to Bless get activities yeah. uh, and put them out there. So I think it's 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 supporting it. Yeah. So it has a journey to go on. Yeah. Because I think all of these things can just happen. Yeah. And then in time, fade away. Yeah. And I think also being in the community, it is about recognizing that actually, you know, there is a fragility to it mm. that... People on the surface may look like they're coping. Mm. They might look like they, you know, haven't got issues, that almost their lives are perfect. And for some, that will be the case. Yeah. But there are lots of families, children, parents out there that really would appreciate just a kind of helping hand. And yeah. sometimes just listening, just yeah. listening to somebody, yeah. letting them cry. You know, just just have giving people time, I think, is really, really important. Um, And not not feeling that you are being judged. And when you're listening and seeing it happen, not judging. I think as an educator, it's very easy for us to judge. It's Mm -hmm. easy to judge, you know, if a child can't get into school Mm. or a child their personality, their behaviour changes, they become very quiet, mm. they're not doing as well. It's easy to judge as an educator. We, mm. we, we kind of sometimes take the high ground, mm. you know, and we say, oh, something's not right there. Mm. And we start judging and making assumptions. Mm. But actually, they just might be anxious and struggling with life. Yeah. And sometimes we have to recognise that, get rid of that kind of judging thought in our head yeah. and say, what can we do to help? What can we do within our fairly restricted system? Mm. What can we do to make it easier for you? Yeah, I think that's I think that's great advice. And so, so people want to find out more about Thrive. So there's a website. Yeah. Um, Which is? James will be putting that on there. Just Thrive Langton. You just Google it. Just Google you. Don't Google me. There's a terrible photograph that's still going around from my London days when I was a head teacher there. It was a bad photograph at the time, to be honest with you. I wasn't happy then. And it just won't. It won't go away. It just keeps cropping up. And I, I, I listen. I've had my daughter at your school. Apparently, they've all been searching up Chassis Hatter, and I, incl- I'm like, no, yeah, no, right, no, no. I'm not all right. I'm not all right, and I don't like it at all. Thank you very much. You're all right because you've had some ownership over that. Whereas I can't even find the source of that photograph. I can't even remember who took it. When I find out, there will be problems. I'm so glad I'm old. Um, I'm so uh, glad I'm old. None of that talk here. No, but all I mean is social media. Can you imagine being young? I mean, now. I I can't. No. I I, I can't. And I think it it really changes how you engage in your relationship with others. Totally. Um, And it just gives you... It, it can be like something like this. It can be a real force for good. Yes. It, it, it's really strong and powerful. Yeah. But also when your brain is yeah. still developing and your emotions are. Yeah. You can hide not, behind it. Yeah, you're not aware yeah. really of the subtle dangers. Yeah. Sometimes not so subtle dangers. Yeah. And I think that really is unhelpful. And for me, looking at our children, I see that it causes an equal measure of joy. Yeah. 
and unhappiness. Yeah, there is a balance. There is a real balance. And there's a reason like, like why the guys in Silicon Valley banned yeah. all their kids from going on iPads yeah. for a long, long time when Absolutely. they first brought them out. And but, it, but it's also a force for good. But it is a force for good, you're right. You know, we... we and for learning as yeah, well. Yeah, and educators yeah. kind of say, oh, social media is terrible and, you know, iPad time and... but. It, for, for lots of kids, particularly with special needs, yes. and particularly children who have um, maybe kind of emotional issues, yeah. they they can find solace in it and, and, and positive solace. And one of the things that I um, heard the other day, I was listening to somebody talking about Roblox, which I know can be very controversial yeah. for all sorts yeah. of reasons and all the right reasons. But it was a, a, a kind of young woman and she had ASC, and she said that actually because she had autism, one of the primary issues for her, and it was a weight on her shoulders, was developing friendships, relationships. Mm. But actually, Roblox had, had enabled her to not only cultivate friendships, but be confident and feel settled in herself. Her anxieties when she was on that platform really really began to dip they really did and when somebody who's young who is sharing that in a positive way for educators and older people to dismiss it I think is dangerous I think you're spot on and I have a, a colleague that I work with who has started homeschooling and he is he, he without a doubt he says his son it helps his anxiety yeah. when he is involved in Ruben as well is like not all kids want to go out no I mean I said to no. Ruben do you want to go to the school disco and he's like hell no do you know what I mean he's not he's just not that person people right. have different things that well, they want um, to do you're, yeah. and you're so right and the world is changing is. and we need to change with it we do um, education will be the last thing that changes it, that is it my, will that's, be. My, that's my prediction then medicine yeah uh, well, I think medicine's probably got a kind of few feet ahead of us but I think education will be the last thing yeah. and I think a lot of it is about the fear and what will happen if we begin to change our thinking. What, what will our children be like? But at the moment, all we are doing is our system, not for all children, I must mm. stress that. Yeah, yeah. But for a growing number, mm. is causing challenges, emotional and learning challenges. Mm. And I think it will take a very brave person to stop it, Mm. reboot it mm. and start thinking differently about how we can support and educate our children mm. and honestly it really isn't sat at a desk and it isn't from the hours of 9 to 3.30 and it isn't just your maths your English and your science which are all very important mm. they're all kind of life subjects you need them to get through life but they're not the key to life and mm. that is the important thing Yeah, and um, hopefully I'll be still alive when that person does it. You're very philosophical. And I think what I like about you as well, Alex, is that when you talk to the children, when I see you, when I come in and, I mean, I, I did actually come dressed as Santa Claus. Did you, you notice? Did. I, I did I notice? How could I not notice? I had to come. I thought I, I, I thought I turned up to the wrong assembly. I thought I was in a different place. I was so embarrassed. I, I was literally like, I came straight from doing the panto. I know you carried it out well, though. I have to say, you carried it off well. I was just like sat down, and Elodie was just like, "Oh my god!" But the thing that I love about you is that when you at the end of any performance that children do, I'm sure it's assemblies and all of it. 
you you really get in there with the children with right. the the adults we're, we're, we're there yeah. but you really talk to them you're like well done and yeah, yeah. you you give them that prep yeah. to to get the most out of someone it's, yeah. it's not like over praising someone or oh, aren't you brilliant or whatever but there yeah. is a there is a level of of engagement that i i yeah. like your style well that's very kind of you i think you know you mentioned the parents there and over the years i've been looking at some research about play and one of the biggest, I think, regrets for adults when they look back on their time mm. is how they mourn their imagination going and their lack of play. Yeah. And I think it's really important as a, as a teacher mm. to ensure that running alongs- alongside all of these wonderful subjects mm. that children have in enough opportunities to play mm. um and you know w- we should be doing that i mean you talked there about the kind of immature brain we should be encouraging our children to play more mm. be confident in play mm. just because you hit 11 and you go to secondary school mm. doesn't mean say you can't play no. but of course what happens is that there is a shift in an, an adult reaction to them. It's mm. like, oh, you're in secondary school now. Mm. You need to start, what, at 11? You've <laughs> got to be joking me. You, you know, what's that all about? Mm. So I, I think we try to encourage that as much as we can for as long as we can yeah. throughout the primary years. And I know some secondary schools also, some brave secondary schools also yeah. try and do that too. They do. And... You know, some children just have bonkers parents like me. That, but but but, <laughs> just, well, they do. I can't stop playing. Yeah. I mean, I mean that in the nicest way. But yeah. I mean, my daughter gets quite embarrassed of how playful I am, to be honest. But that's part of being a parent, isn't it? It is a good model, though, as it's well. Good. It's a good model. It's fine. You know, you you, you, you say that, <laughs> but she will. Uh, in time uh <laughs> look back and think i loved my mum for that she was a funny old oh, stick she was i could tell you stories honestly <laughs> just check her out on the internet yeah, exactly yeah exactly well maybe like, yeah so you got yeah you got to watch your like children that, with that because they're gonna find that picture of you yeah, i know well it's an old picture and everyone's um, gonna look for it now you know that oh it's a you very never bad brought one. it up i know i know <laughs> but, but hey look at you now I mean, you know, you're looking good. You're looking good. So Hanging on in there. Thank you so much for all you do. Thank you so much for what you've done personally for my children. It's a pleasure. But thank you so much for all you've done for the school, for the community, for the area. And just keep doing what you're doing because I've wanted to talk to you for a long time and it's been great to have you on here. So thank you, you, Alex Cornelius. I mean, Mr. Cornelius, what a name. (laughs) It's just brilliant, isn't it? Well, thanks for inviting me. It's been a real pleasure. very, very welcome. And um, from one Gemini twin to another in our little matching blue curts, thank you, Edney and Edney. And um, yeah, yeah, we'll, you know, we're, we're maybe... Maybe we'll have some more chats okay. in the future yeah, and get more people involved because be I think these what you've brought up, there's been some really key points there that could be expanded on. So thank okay. you very much. Thank you. That's I'm going to let you go back to school now. Oh, You no. need to go and ring the bell soon, don't you? Soon. <laughs> in those glasses? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, rock it. Okay. Thank, thank you. you very Cheers. much. Thank Thanks. you.